0: Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This is a special travel episode titled Flats Fish in the Keys for Bonefish and Kudas, and we're going to be featuring Captain Rob Corley of Sandbar Safari Charters. And wa- uh, Rob was going to walk us through what to expect and what you can learn from a day on his boat down in the Keys, spends nine months up, nine ten months up here in Swansboro, two months or so down there in the Keys. And he's gonna walk us through bonefish and kudas on the flats to the Keys. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post and Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and here in our latest and greatest effort the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends and ask them to share with us their knowledge, their insights on how to catch more fish more often. Albeit, the bigger goal is not just catching more fish, but getting you and your family and friends out on the water, spending more time together more often. And in this pursuit, I'm joined with my by my podcast partner Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy. Welcome to one of our special travel podcast episodes, man.
1: What's up Gary? I'm excited about this one, man. Bonefish in the Keys. Maybe you can ask a couple fly fishing questions if you're so kind. <laughs> I bet your
0: fly comes up. I bet you I bet even without to. prompting, I bet you rob mentions the fly, the magic wand.
1: Yeah, I bet you can't talk about yeah, you can't talk about bonefish without fly fishing. So, awesome, man. Well, good to see you Gary. You're looking good. Got some internet problems worked out here, so feeling happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let, fingers crossed brother fingers, fingers crossed. crossed
1: we'll see what happens all right well we want to thank our sponsors real quick before we jump into this episode uh, we got marine warehouse center and bland landscaping co so i'm going to jump over here to bland landscaping company real quick uh, as you can see on the screen if you're watching they were established in 1976 long-term company they're looking for some uh, career-minded people to come work for them man or woman who is passionate about um, working outdoors outdoors Wake up early, get off early, go spend time with your family and your friends. Uh, they reached out to us, Gary. They are big outdoorsmen and people who really believe in family and have a lot of benefits to work there. So go to blandlandscaping.com slash careers, and you can sign up for, see what they got in the area. They're all over North Carolina. So a lot of locations there.
0: Yeah, man, I like the approach. I mean, they I like that they're career-minded. I like their get-up-early Get off early, man. I I like what they're selling, man. I like, I like what they're offering, not selling. I hope, I hope the podcast serves them. I hope we help them get some quality people.
1: Yeah. So, and if you don't need a career, maybe you need your some landscaping done or some building. I mean, they do a lot of stuff. Go check out their website, land landscaping co. And now I want to shout out Marine warehouse center, our longest sponsor, super excited to have them here in 2022. So I get a quick word from them. We'll be right back. At Marine Warehouse we have everything. We have new boats, we have parts, we have accessories, new trailers, we have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water we have. At Marine Warehouse Center as we've grown over the last few years now have a large section of marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the all right. Good guys, man. I had had a lot of fun when we uh just, you know, did the end of the year episode not too long ago uh with uh with Emmett. Man, he's a blast.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, fun. man. He's a great fit. He's a great fit for this podcast. Marine Warehouse is a great fit for this podcast. And it makes even Terrell it makes it easier to stomach Terrell's uh weekly jokes. Um, again, he seems to be more in the realm of boat jokes instead of fish jokes, and I've got one of Terrell's jokes handy if you're ready.
1: I'm ready for it when you are, Gary.
0: Okay. Again, this is Terrell's joke, not mine. Sure. How do you make how do you make luxury yachts look younger? No idea. Well, you use boat talks.
1: <laughs> All right, that's pretty good. I bet there's a lot Is of people it? on I bet there's a lot of people on luxury yachts that are using Botox. Botox. <laughs> <laughs> I bet there are. I bet there are.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well Gary, I'm gonna show you a fish picture real quick, man. Unless you got more tarot jokes.
0: that's it.
1: All right. All right, I'm gonna jump to a fish picture real quick. We got Jake Bangle from Oak Island, caught this Mahi on a ballyhoo while fishing the Gulf Stream out of Oak Island. Uh, really good fishing really good looking fish there that's a beautiful beautiful fish so thanks for thanks for submitting that and uh be sure if you're watching or listening to the show and you want us to take a look at your picture and it might have a chance send it over and we'll uh tag gary or fisherman's post in it on instagram or send it where do they send it at photos at fisherman's post is that where
0: photos at fisherman's com.
1: yeah and who knows where it'll end up maybe here the website the the paper yeah anywhere is possible
0: <laughs> we never complain about getting too many fish photos never that's right man
1: never complain about too many fish photos or too many sponsors or too many coffees so if you want to sponsor the show reach out to me billy at dot post.com or if you want to buy gary a coffee look at him he's looking pretty sleepy so go to, <laughs> go to buy me a com slash fisherman's post and you can support us uh if you enjoy the content we really appreciate Everyone watching, listen, make sure you hit that subscribe button or that follow button wherever you listen or watch. So
0: I think that's it, Gary. I
1: think it's all I got for you, man.
0: I think that's good. I think that's a good setup. And before I introduce Rob and have a conversation with him about a day on his boat, you know, as I do, my reminder you for Billy's best takeaway, Billy's best takeaway, Flats Fishing the Keys.
1: I'm excited, Gary, and hopefully it's about fly fishing. Just put that out there one more time.
0: All right. Well, at this time, I will welcome to the show – Welcome back to the show, Captain Rob Corley, Sandbar Safari Charters out of the Swansboro Emerald Isle area, but tonight we're talking about your two-month or so gig down in the Keys. Welcome back to the show, Rob. Gary, how you doing, man? Good to see you, Billy. Good to see you guys again. Yeah, man, we always enjoy having you on the show. You're a fantastic guest, and but you know, since you've been on the show a couple of times already that before we can talk about flats, fishing the Keys for bonefish and kudas. As is tradition, we've got two questions for you. Are you ready for question number one, Captain Rob? Shoot. So why should we listen to what you have to say about a bonefish or a barracuda? Why? Uh,
2: I've been going down to the Keys for six seasons now and uh, primarily spending all of my time uh, in the shallows and in the backwaters. Um, So that's pretty much what we're targeting uh, in there for most of the time we're down there. Uh, usually January, February, March, April um, is the time frame. I've been down there March and April primarily and uh, do a little bit of fishing back here, but uh, have a lot of fun down there and we can, we can see them, we can catch them. It's a lot of fun sight fishing those flats.
0: Um, well, right on, man. That that one goes through. And then for question number two, as is tradition, is typically a non-fishing related question. Um, I play off a of bonefish. i since you like bonefish, I'm sure you eat a bonefish grill all the time. My question is about bonefish grill. Are you ready? All right, fire away. So, from I'm going to give you four menu items from the bonefish grill. Only three all of, of them, them are actual. Three of them are actual one is made up, which is the made up starter menu item. Bang Bang Shrimp, Muscle's Josephine, Lobster and Ginger Pot Stickers, or Tempura Crunch Sashimi Tuna.
2: Uh, it's got to be the Josephine, but uh, I'll take all four of them. That's fine.
0: Well, one of them's fictitious. Which one did I make up?
2: The Josephine. Uh, Muscle's Josephine or something. <laughs> That's not real.
0: Actually, well, I mean, I'm actually having a moment of self-doubt. I think I made up the lobster and ginger pot stickers because it was like a month ago that I made this up. We keep on having issues with connectivity. I keep on having issues with connectivity. I'm pretty sure Muscles Josephine was on that. But, well, maybe Billy can look up while we get to talking about bonefish and kudas. (laughs) So, again, the concept
2: also also, you you, you don't want to make any appetizers with bonefish or kudas wouldn't wouldn't be really recommended
0: you know, well we won't we won't have a recipe feature at the end but what i am interested in is you sharing with us basically what a day on your boat would be like down in the keys you know targeting the flats fishing for a day half day three quarter of a day so i guess for starters um where would i meet you like where if i was down there and i i had booked you where would we meet up um, there's a marina
2: nearby uh, where I dock the boat. It's the Joe Gardens Marina. And typically we leave from there. Um, and I can pick clients up at uh, various places where they're at or marinas near them if they're not staying in Cudjo. Basically, can fish from Marathon down to Key West uh, for anything that we're doing and everywhere in between. So. We're pretty mobile uh, on pickups, but generally cut Joe Gardens Marina is where we'll leave from.
0: And so what is the boat that I'm getting on, man? What do you trailer down there?
2: Uh, Take my 22-foot Bay Rider. Uh, It works fine as a flats boat. We fish a lot of skinny water, and on pretty days we'll fish the patch reefs. Uh, But it it does just fine down there. And uh, so 22-foot Bay Rider, same boat I fish here in North Carolina.
0: And ideally I would get on the boat with one other person, two other people, by myself, like what's the ideal experience?
2: Well, that's really up to you. The nice thing about the Bay Rider is I've got plenty of room um and if we have to do some technical fishing, we can take turns. Everybody else can chill. Uh you so see you can have, you know, four p pe- I, I base my charters to a limit of four people. And uh that's something kind of unique about us is we've always got room for four on that on that Bay Rider. Um and a lot of you know, charters will only cater to two clients because um, it's just spatial concerns on a lot of flats boats, technical skiffs, and even uh, smaller bay boats are just tricky to have four anglers on. So uh, we're not all fishing at once. Usually, two people can fish at once, and that makes the most sense um, for you know flats fishing. And but we can take up to four with no problem.
0: And so, what is what? what's the standard instructions you give me, you know, before I show up, like make sure you bring what, or make sure you're ready in what way? Like how, how do you advise your clients?
2: Um, down there, the sun is definitely the enemy. Uh, so you want to make sure you're got your sunblock and your protective clothing hats, all that jazz, um, and plenty of hydration, plenty of water. Um, and aside from that, a good pair of polarized glasses, because that's going to be key if you're sight fishing. Um, those would be the most important pieces of gear. We don't get a lot of rain um, down there that time of year uh, in the spring and late winter, uh, but occasionally we do. So, you know, rain jacket, but the typical stuff you'd take fishing, but really want the sun protection and the polarized glasses. If you uh, don't bring anything else, bring your zinc and your polarized shades.
0: Um, So when we're pulling away, um, what are the variables that you're going through to decide where we're going to look first? I mean, you know, again, certainly not asking for the Google map and point for locations, but I'm guessing there's different terrain, whether it's wind or, or, I mean, tide. I mean, I'm not really sure down there. So how is it that you're going to make up your mind where we're going to target first? The first
2: thing we're going to be looking at is wind, uh, what direction and how strong it is. March can be pretty windy down there. Uh, It's their their windiest month, typically. Uh, You get a lot of 15, 25 mile an hour blows. Um, And the thing about the middle, lower keys where we're at, there's a lot of uh, islands, big, big Pine key, um, all all these big, long keys that protect the wind uh, on the east and west sides. And then the main island chain will also block the wind from the north and south so you've kind of got four directions of wind blockage uh in that lower keys area if you if you find the right places to be you can always find a flat out of the wind uh so that's a a nice thing and you can cut through and around a lot of the the backwater channels um and mangrove creeks and stuff on the skinny water boats so it's no problem getting around uh even on windier days but that's probably our main um Uh, main variable when we're making our plan on which flats to fish or how we're going to approach any given flat um, or what our game plan is going to be for for while we're fishing that day is the wind direction
0: man so i mean of course it changes depending on the wind and where we're going but a typical run you know duration wise time wise before we're starting to cast before starting to look for fish is, is what on a on a trip like this
2: um, it's really nice because we can go out on the front side, the Atlantic side and be on good flats for Cudas, bonefish, uh, permit and other stuff in five to 10 minutes. Uh, we can run 20 to 30 minutes to, you know, just about as much range as we want to on that side. And then on the back side, um, we've got about a 10 to 15 minute run to get around to some of the flats over there on the Gulf side, uh, of Kudjoe Key and those areas and there's really good fish in there especially on the bonefish um and then further off uh is the bigger barracudas so that's maybe another 30 minutes so 45 minute run tops uh to anywhere that we're going to be fishing is is usually the case but you can start catching uh smaller kudas and have shots of bonefish five minutes from the marina
0: Man, uh, so help me understand the the dynamics of the flats down there. Like what makes a flat good for bonefish? What makes a bat flat good for permit or, you know, tarpon or barracuda? Like aside from picking a flat that is out of the wind, what do you like in a flat? What's important? What is it that holds the fish that works for you? Uh,
2: food is the next biggest variable for me when uh, I'm picking with flats to fish there. Um, I usually want to see some, uh, the waters when the water's clear, uh, you see any kind of disturbance on the bottom in the, in the form of the white silty mud that's down there. Uh, you'll see schools of mullet in two to three foot of water, large schools of them. And you just see a big shiny cloud of mud. And, and that's, I mean, it might be a half mile wide in some cases, but, uh, the, the mud always kind of gives you an indication on where the bait is, um, or if there's some mangrove islands nearby and uh looking around the edges of those you see a lot of pilchards and smaller bait fish that could be a good indication that the flats surrounding it um are going to be holding fish so uh you got to have good fo- you know good food source for the fish to be there and uh for that flat to be lively you want to see some life you want to see some needlefish jumping around you want to see some mullets mudding up um you want to see some crashes birds pelicans uh, a lot of times if i'm fishing a flat and i you know, have open line of sight to places that are two, three miles away in the, uh, backwaters and see birds diving, we might just pick up and run right then and go, go check that out because that'll usually give an indication of, of the bait being on that flat. And it, it, it doesn't like staying in that open water long because once the fish find it, they obliterate it. So we're always looking for signs of bait fish. Um, and you can do that by looking at the islands surrounding the flats, um, looking for bird activity and looking for fish activity as well.
0: So do some flats just historically typically hold the bait better? There's something about them that's just more organic to holding bait or any flat can be the flat on any given day? Um,
2: To an extent. Um, There's some that have boat traffic issues where there's people running by daily and uh, that'll sort of push fish further away. Usually the further you get from any of that kind of, traffic, uh, the more life you're going to find. Um, but I think it changes over different times of year when the water temperatures really swing. Um, but the, uh, cooler times during the winter, uh, when those temperatures are down some, and when you're still getting some fronts coming through in March, um, and even into early April, the places that are holding bait, uh, are the places that can during the winter time. Uh, during those colder months. So they're uh, pretty habitual to some of the the same areas um, where the last of the bait fish and pilchards are until they leave. Um, A a lot of places year after year, certain flats and certain areas will produce better than others. I think it's just because the bait migrates along that path adjacent to those flats and over those flats more often than it does in in other areas uh, because of the water temperatures mostly.
0: So, and these flats, I mean, are we talking typically what is it two to three feet on average and wide expanse of flats, like you know, for acres and acres? And then and then I guess I'd also sort of tack on, are you experiencing tides down there like we're used to experiencing up here in North Carolina?
2: Um, no, the tides are very different there. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of wind-based and current-based uh, tides there, the range of tide is a lot smaller there than it is here. Uh, it can be only up, up a few inches on some days, half a foot. Um, and it's, it's a lot, uh, less predictable. Uh, well, not, I'd say it's less consistent. Um, you have a lot less consistent tides than you do back here in our area of North Carolina. <clears throat> and so that's a little bit challenging, um, because finding the parts of the flats that are productive, uh, can be very tidal based, actually which part of the flat you want to be on and and approach and fish. Um, and something that can happen down there really easily is if you don't approach a flat, right. Uh, with the way that you're fishing it with the wind, um, where you're starting on the flat and where you're finishing, uh, what, what section of that flat you're working over based on the depth. If you mess it up a lot of times you can kind of blow your shot at fishing that hole area and 300 yard radius because uh the fish can be that keen they'll they'll push off the channels and clear that flat and then it's it's kind of done uh so uh that comes with just knowing a flat the same way you would know a a bay or a creek just every nook and cranny of it um so that when you get there and see where the water level's at you kind of have an idea which way to go
0: well man that that's probably a good segue into you know all right, we're pulling up to the first flat. And, you know, so, I mean, I guess what what can you share about the best way to sort of pull up to a flat to start what I'm, I'm guessing, what is it your first wind drift? Or are we pulling around? I mean, I'm, I'm, I love this concept. I have, I'm really looking forward to what, what comes next.
2: Um, I don't like using the trolling motor unless I have to. Uh, The trolling motor is really good for a lot of things down there. Uh, Working across the flat, it's not the best. Um, I like to pole and drift. Um, When you have the more wind you have, the less likely you're going to want to drift with the wind. Um, The more likely you're going to need to pole into the wind. Uh, Because if you have a light wind to no wind, you can usually drift with the current or the light wind at a good fishing and sighting pace. Uh, if it's over 15 miles an hour, you're probably going to be drifting too fast um, to where, when you even if you stop the boat with the pole or the power pole, you're going to make too much noise. Um, your shot window on a fish that you see is going to be real quick and fast. Uh, if he's moving towards the boat, it's not a good direction. You um, might not get your shot. And so we're really specific, specifically targeting. Um, site fishing unless the conditions don't allow. So we're trying to approach that flat to move across it the, the slowest and quietest that we can. So if it's blowing 15 to 20, I'm going to get on the downwind side. Uh, hopefully the current's coming across the flat or straight at us and not not messing us up on our, our push <clears throat> or making us work too hard to get into the wind, pushing against the current too. Um, but we can push into a 15 knot wind uh, and and creep the flat pretty easily uh, and if <clears throat> you're coming downwind or down current you just want to be uh checking the boat up and going at a slow pace and uh so that'll sort of determine which side of the flat that we'll come to or which side we'll approach from and then uh the other concern will be where the sun's at so if we got we want to have that sun to our back um as much as we can and try to line that up with those drifting or, or polling conditions that we're trying to create. So we've got good visual and good sight conditions as well.
0: All right. And so if I were to, if I were to be fishing with you with a friend and just to pull a name out of the hat, say Adam Meyer, if Adam Meyer and I were on your boat, No, I'm going you back. I no, can't
2: bring him. He's not allowed to <laughs> and
0: go. I guess we're both up in the front of the boat. You're pulling the boat, you know, playing the current, the wind as we should. And I guess this is—I guess we're looking for bonefish first. Not, not that barracuda can't happen, but if we're specifically hoping for a bonefish hookup, what is it that you're putting in Adam and I's hands? Like, what are we—what are we holding, being ready to cast once we see a target? If we're spin casting,
2: um, and especially if uh, the the conditions are not too blowy,
0: then we'll be using
2: we we'll using uh, live shrimp. On a little worm hook, and uh, I like to use a uh, 15 to 20 pound fluorocarbon leader, a good two foot section of leader at least, Um, whatever you can throw off of your rod tip uh, without it impairing the cast. Um, But you want a a decent leader length, and you definitely want to use fluorocarbon because the bonefish are spooky. Everything's clear down there, and fluorocarbon is definitely your friend. So. We'll rig the shrimp something like this on a worm hook. I know it's hard to see, but it's a weedless worm hook and he's threaded on there. So he pulls backwards coming through there when you cast it and that will help the presentation. Um, What we'll do is we'll actually cut that tail off so it's not there. And then the shrimp will look like this on the worm hook, and uh, that's a real stealthy presentation. It casts well, and most importantly, um, when you retrieve it, uh, you just use a slow, hopping retrieve, um, it pulls naturally and doesn't spin, it looks like a natural shrimp, a natural presentation. And your shrimp doesn't have to be alive for this, uh, but it does have to be fresh, or else you're gonna make two casts and it's gonna sling off the hook. So, uh, I'm usually using live shrimp, but, we're not too concerned with them being alive uh, because we're working the bait to the fish um, or working it along into his path and leaving it sit until he comes and finds it and then <clears throat> waiting for him to bump it and pick it up.
0: So why are you cutting the tail off?
2: Uh, if you cut the tail, so if you're pulling this bait and the tail's on it, it's you're pulling this bait backwards, and so that tail is going to, impede the natural swimming motion and movement it's going to make that thing spin and so if you cut that tail off it's natural in the presentation it moves in a straight line that's it's just to keep it moving in a straight line otherwise your bait will spin and twist uh like a, a soft plastic that's hooked you know awkwardly on the jig head and so that's that's all about the presentation you want a really nice natural good looking presentation for them to commit to the bait and that will get it done, uh, popping that tail off.
0: So if we're working our way across the flat, and then what are we, what are we likely to see? Like, are you seeing just single bonefish? So we're look, are we seeing pairs? I mean, is this ever happening in schools? I, I know, a, a, you know, surprisingly little about bonefish, man. What, what am I expecting to sight? To
2: Um, sometimes we'll see singles or pairs, but usually, uh, in, in March and April, the fish are starting to gather up and, uh, they're starting to get happy on those flats. And so we'll usually see, uh, you know, pairs, uh, to two to six fish in a group together. Uh, sometimes as many as 15, uh, or 20 of them mudding. Um, usually if you see a, a school, you'll see the mud before you see the actual fish and, uh, A lot of times we'll blind cast the shrimp to the edges of the mud. Before we make the actual fish bodies, um, you risk spooking the fish on the cast if it lands on his tail uh, of one of them. But at the same time, you can do that from further away uh, because you can see that mud from further away and you don't have to get the boat too close to them. So uh, it sort of depends on and, and in that situation, there's usually multiple fish. So if you spook one of them, you usually have another shot. Um, but singles would like to try to sight cast too, obviously. Um, but usually we're seeing, you know, when we see fish, we're seeing uh, small groups of fish and then occasionally seeing singles as well. Usually on the Gulf side, um, I see more groups of fish, uh, a lot of times smaller fish in general. Um, and then on the Atlantic side, we we'll see more singles and pairs and uh, a little bit bigger fish on that side typically.
0: So when they're mudding, are they on the move? Is that part of my cast, um, you know, physics about where I'm putting it? Or when they're mudding, they're, they found something of interest, so it's pretty easy to just put it outside the the mud.
2: Yeah, usually they're not they're not moving fast. They're eating mostly all crustaceans off the bottom, um, so they're they're sitting, they're nosing around, um, and they're not they're not zipping back and forth too much. So wherever you see uh the mudder activity um and when it's real calm sometimes you'll see the the tail wakes or tail uh fins actually moving the water around um and it kind of looks like uh you'd see mullets on the surface here in north carolina in a creek swimming on a still day a lot of times you'll see the uh, bonefish doing that too but they're not moving they're feeding they're not moving fast at all they're sitting in they're they're right there where they're at nosing around um so you're trying to present a bait on the edges of that or past it and work it through those fish or by those fish um and not just trying to not land it on top of them obviously
0: and then is it like uh is the relationship such that you know we're you're telling me where to cast or we're both seeing, you know sure i see the mud and then i throw it out there is it kind of like let it sit and then you tell me when to pop or you tell me when to bounce it or we, you want me to go to work as soon as my bait hits the ground, hits the water?
2: Well, the bonefish have a real good nose, so they can smell that shrimp. Um, if your cast lands in a decent place, um, we're both, we're on the boat, we're both looking at the same thing. Um, something that I always try to encourage uh, flats fishermen and sight fishermen especially is to not blind cast, um, at least not towards... Uh, you. A cast towards activity or a cast towards the mud isn't a blind cast, Um, just a cast towards whatever in any direction is a blind cast. So you don't want to be blind casting uh, and miss an opportunity or spook a fish by accident. Um, Down there, if you're blind casting a shrimp around on a jig head like that, a a little propel jack or a little snapper or something is going to, or a little shark, something's going to come eat your shrimp. And then you're going to be re-rigging and two bonefish are going to go across the boat 10 yards off the bow and you're going to miss your shot. So um, focus in on what you're l- looking for your target, especially when you're bone bonefishing. Uh, you really just need to be looking for and waiting for the opportunity to make the cast um, and, and sight fishing in that way. And so uh, when we see the fish or I see the fish, if you can't see them, I'm just going to give you a direction. You're going to put that cast out. And the first thing you want to do is let it sit for a few seconds. Let the ripple go away. Let everything be calm. And a lot of times that fish will, and if he's not spooked, will investigate that splash if he's close enough or smell that shrimp. If he's close enough and he'll ease right to it. And you won't have to do anything except just keep your light tension to your rod uh, and your bait and feel for a pickup. And if, uh, if it's a cast where you're trying to lead a fish that you're, you're looking at and he's moving, um, you're just going to try to work that, that cast past the fish and, uh, bring it to him, uh, or, or get it in his path and let him swim over it, uh, and find it with his nose. So, um, I'm going to be looking for fish activity, bodies, uh, and trying to relay that to my anglers that are on the bow. They're doing the same thing. Um, and, uh, in most cases, listening and looking are the best things you can be doing when you're sight fishing. Listen to your guide and look for the fish. And don't take your eyes off of whatever you see, no matter what it is, um, because it might develop into something that you're looking for if you keep watching it long enough.
0: And then any advice for me once I have a fish that picks up my shrimp, you know, that I have I have tension? You know, any mistakes that people make? Anything that you want to make sure you do or don't do? Uh, reel down on the
2: hook set um more so than pulling the rod back Uh, you can do a lot of of work with a reel when you're setting the hook on uh, any kind of fish and so um usually when uh i feel the take or the bump or see it uh in in some cases we'll see it happen then you're wanting to feel tension to the rod tip as you start to wind. and then once you feel that tension to the rod tip is there give it a hook set and usually he'll instantly respond with the hard long run. And, uh, then during the course of that run and the beginning of that run, he'll drive that hook home even further, uh, or pull it if it's not in a good spot. So usually if you've got a bonefish on, uh, for the first 10 seconds, you've got him on for the rest of the fight, unless he cuts you off or gets eaten. Um, and you want to have light drag, uh, strong enough drag to, to, get that hook set and that penetration, uh, when he takes off and, or when you set the hook, but you want to have a, a light drag cause he's going to burn that thing down. Uh, and you want him to, you know, you want him to burn that energy and, and run that flat and then, uh, be prepared when you're fighting bonefish to reel really fast. Uh, even when you have tension and he's taking some drag as you're reeling against it, you need to be kind of re- reeling in a, at a good pace against it and ready to reel faster because when they do come at the boat, when they do change direction, they go really fast. And uh, you almost have to wind as fast as you can to catch up to them. Um, and if you don't, then that's usually the only time you'll lose a, a fish is when he runs at you. If you can't catch up to the slack and keep your tension um, or get to him before he runs under the boat or around the pole or whatever may happen. Um, but they are very, very fast fish. So, but they've got a, 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 a strong mouth, but it's not too hard and they respond well when they feel anything uh, in their mouth to take an off. So usually hook sets work out pretty good, just as long as you wind into it good, uh, more so than snapping back with the rod tip. So that's what I would say.
0: Man, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited for this bonefish fishery, but I know I want to I want to talk about barracuda fishing as well. So how does this game change if we're thinking, man, we're going to target some bigger barracuda doing the same kind of flats fishing?
2: Well, if you really love bonefish um, and you hook a couple on a flat uh, and one of them or two of them or three of them get eaten by barracudas, then you'll love catching those barracudas because they've aggravated your bonefishing day. Um, And a lot of times if you just want to have a really good time, and uh, catch a really exciting fun fish that jumps and gets big uh, you know the bone fish are topping out at five six pounds most of them are in the two to four pound range um, and so they're not big fish they run fast they're fun to catch they're uh they're very exciting to stalk it's difficult challenging uh, but the barracuda fish is just stupid fun cause they're really fast. They're really aggressive. Um, so if you just want to have a, a good time without having to work super hard for it, uh, the barracuda fishing is really fun. And we've got a lot of places down there in the lower keys where, uh, you get out to the Atlantic or Gulf edges <clears throat> where it drops off to the first, uh, part of the reef. And, uh, you've got two to three foot of water. They'll be holding 30, 40 pound barracudas sometimes. And anybody that has ever caught a 40 pound barracuda, in two foot of clear water on, uh, basically a trout rod, you know, 10 pound test, uh, setup and says, that's not fun. I, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. So.
0: <laughs> so it's going to be the same thing. We're going to be casting shrimp to that, to barracuda as well. No
2: <clears throat> shrimp are too expensive and too, uh, important to be feeding the barracudas. So when we go after the barracudas, we're going to put our shrimp away and, uh, Something else I mentioned before we go, you know, uh, we we can, you can talk to somebody that knows more about fly fishing for bonefish uh, to see what specific flies. But um, we fly fish for them and we jig fish for them with uh, little small bonefish jigs. This is one of my favorite colors and sizes. Uh, It's like a sixteenth ounce uh, overall jig or an eighth ounce overall jigs, usually what we're using. A quarter on windy days and just often tipping it with a little tiny square um, of shrimp or a little tiny shrimp tail threaded on to the hook but a very small piece of uh, shrimp just for a little bit of scent and you can sight cast that to fish or muds or you can just slow drift flat and blind cast um, you know lazy fish if you want to like that no no problem Uh, you'll, you'll end up getting cut off by a lot of smaller kudas um, if you're blind casting a flat for bonefish, no matter what kind of bait or, or, lure you're using. So that's, that's one of the reasons that you don't want to do a whole lot of that, but sometimes you luck up and, and catch one that way. Um, but switching back over to the Barracuda, we're going to put our shrimp away, like I was saying, and, uh, we're going to grab some tube lures. Barracuda love to come eat other fish that you're pulling, but it happens on flats sometimes, specifically with bonefish. Um, but uh, they really eat a lot of needlefish and ballyhoo down there, and they like tube lures. And we usually throw these almost exclusively on the flats for them. Uh, if we're using spin tackle, and <clears throat> there's a lot of different stuff you can do. You can throw big top waters for them. Um, I like a uh, uh like uh, Rapala, uh, any kind of big larger three hook uh top dog style lure, uh, or Walker. Um, works good for them, but you have to work that bait pretty aggressively and you miss a lot more fish than you catch. And they're really nasty to handle in the boat with all those treble hooks on that plug. So just something to think about with that. But these tube lures work really great for them. And, uh, they allow, if you see where the the hook is back here and how far up the swivel is, everything that's inside that tube is titanium wire. So they can't bite through that with those sharp teeth but you can tie fluorocarbon directly to the swivel because nine times out of 10, those kudas will hit this thing somewhere towards the back half of the bait. Um, They won't get their teeth up above the swivel. So you can go fluorocarbon right to the swivel. I just use 20 or 25 pound, depending on the class of fish I'm in, and uh, about two foot of that to the rod. And I like to use 10 pound braid because uh, the most important thing for fishing those cudas is being able to make long casts. So 10-pound braid on the spinning outfit, being able to make long casts uh, with these tube lures. And all you got to do is send it as far away from the boat as you can uh, and rip it back as fast as you can. If a fish comes after it, then pull it away even more aggressively. Uh, and he'll come. You can't you can't line faster than a barracuda can swim. He'll always come run it down. So that's a really fun way to fish for him. Um, that's the way I like to fish for him. And you can usually deck a 30-pound fish in under five minutes on 10-pound braid. No problem.
0: (laughs) I'm in. I'm, I'm signed up for both the bonefish and the barracuda. But, hey, man, to go back to the fly, I should have asked when we were talking about bonefish. So if I have it in my mind that I want to come down and I want to catch a bonefish, a couple of bonefish on the fly, then realistically I need to be able to fly cast how far?
2: you need to be able to cast 75 to 80 feet. You need to be able to double haul. And um, that is going to be what you need to do. And you need just accuracy and accuracy over distance um, and accuracy in a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind over distance is usually, you know, what you need. If you get a slick, calm day, then um, it's that much harder to, get close to the fish because um they they are that much more spooky some of the hardest hardest days i've had flats fishing are when it is gin baby slick calm and clear and those fish will see you from they'll see and feel you from 150 yards away and it's just a chore to even get anywhere near them um without them just going away from you so if you have a calm day where you can cast easy without the wind you still have to be able to cast a really long way um in truth if you have a a good um presentation with the boat and you can get the boat uh where it needs to be uh in in a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind that that a lot of times will work out ideal um to be able to present to that fish but you need to be able to cast it 60 feet minimum but 75 uh really is what i would say so
0: man uh, i love sport fishing and what we've been talking about but i also remember sort of our pre-show notes talking about that you'll also sort of break off towards the end of a trip and do a little bit of refishing just to put some fish in the boat that that the clients can eat that night am i remembering correctly
2: oh yeah absolutely um you know bonefish are are definitely not good to eat kudos uh the debate is out um but they have some cigatar issues uh, with eating too much barracuda down the further South you go, the more tropical uh, regions that you're in. Um, But they're not bad eating, uh, especially if you prepare them right. Um, But bonefish definitely are. And, and they're, they're such a good sport fish. There's no reason to kill any bonefish. Uh, They're just, they need to be there for everybody to catch. And um, so it's all catch and release fishing when we're doing the barracudas and the bones. And uh, a lot of times we'll catch a smaller mangrove snapper that, you know, just barely keep her or every once in a while a redfish or a speckled trout around the edges of some of those flats. Um, usually not unless we're targeting those species, but we're not coming across a whole lot for the table uh, when we're doing that flats fishing. So all we usually have to do is uh, ride five to 15 minutes to a channel uh, or an edge of the patch reef uh but we do a lot of our fishing in the backwater channels uh and deeper mangrove creeks and cuts and we catch uh, dog snapper, mangrove snapper, we catch baby Goliath groupers, we catch big jack crevelles, uh, I've caught permit, tarpon, uh snook, just about everything you can imagine um in these mangrove creeks and there's a lot of good eating fish, um nice good good sized mangrove snappers plenty of those. Um, and they're one of the tastiest fish in, in the Florida Keys. So it's really nothing for us to go branch off for an hour and, uh, put a couple suppers for the snapper in the boat and catch, you know, five or six other different species while we're doing it. And it's a good time.
0: All right. Now I'm going to ask a couple of travel questions. So in your opinion, the best way to get there, if I'm not driving, am I flying to Key West or am I flying to like Miami Fort Lauderdale?
2: Um, if you're not, if you're going to be staying for a while and you want to rent a car, then flying into Miami uh, works out pretty good or for Lauderdale. But uh, if you're just going to be in town for the weekend or for a shorter stay, uh, or you're not going to need to be that mobile, then flying into Key West is usually uh, offers the most opportunities for wherever you're flying from. There's also a smaller airport in, um excuse me, <clears throat> in Marathon. Uh, that's an option as well. Uh, but it it might take a different connection. Usually Key West is where you'll be flying into. So Cudjo, where we're at, it sits dead in between Key West and Marathon. So you can come in either way.
0: And uh, what about a couple of recommendations for where to stay down there if I wanted to engage in this fishing trip?
2: Uh, Cudjo Key um, has mostly all rentals on it. There is a, a lodge called the Sugarloaf Lodge that's about... 10 minutes uh, south of us towards Key West. That's a great place to stay. Uh, There's several good places on Stock Island. There's tons of bed and breakfasts and hotels in Key West. Uh, It's only 25 minutes from us. The same with Marathon, it's about 25 minutes from us. Um, There's uh, limited lodging in the Florida Keys, so that's something that um, sometimes you can get lucky on Airbnbs and and that sort of thing, Um, but you have to usually explore all your options down there to find something that'll work out for you. Uh, you want to give yourself a little bit of time on that just because of the limit, uh, limited availability.
0: And another travel question. I mean, I can't, I can't count on Adam Meyer, but I, I will probably hook some mangrove snapper. Is there some place where I can go where they cook your catch? I mean, and, or any other, all right, let me reward myself with a nice dinner out, you know, following a good day of fishing.
2: Uh, yeah, most restaurants down there uh, will cook your fish if you bring it to them. Um, a lot of them are good for that. Uh, we always like the outdoor eateries. Anything with the Tiki Hut is usually uh, a good spot to stop. Um, in Cudjo, we've got the Square Grouper, um, and that's one of the best restaurants in the Florida Keys. So luckily, that's right around the corner from us. Um, they've got a great spot there. Uh, Antonio's is a nice outdoor venue uh, that's real close to us as well. Uh, Going back to the uh, uh, east and then um, Tavern in town uh, just on the edge of Key West is a really nice date spot. Uh, You know, good date night place. And then in Key West, there's tons and tons of bars and restaurants and uh, every kind you can imagine. So you just got to go explore and uh, come come fishing with me. I'll give you some intel on some real good spots to go to.
0: And uh, I forgot to ask, if I'm a client on your boat, are you filleting those mangrove snapper for me or any, any of my reef fish? Or is that something that the restaurant, I'll imagine, will do?
2: Man, Gary, luckily for all my clients, one of the most dental things that I do in my life is clean fish. It brings me peace and calming energy. So it's just as good for me as it is for everybody else. Unless I got 200 trigger fish to clean or something, I'm I'm good with it. So. <laughs> I'll clean the fish for you. I'll make sure that you mama come and have a bunch of bones in there and get like two pounds of fillets off of 15 snappers. So we'll hook you up. All right.
0: This final thoughts, I'm asking you for your final thoughts on, for our listeners, our viewers on flats fishing, the keys for bone fishing and
2: Um If you really want a good adrenaline rush, uh, come down there and do this flats fishing. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's also big tarpon fishing. There's goliath grouper fishing. There's just the biggest variety of fish down in the Florida Keys. Uh, It's amazing. And uh, two of the uh, most consistent and fun targets on light tackle on the flats are the barracuda and the uh, uh, bonefish. And we see permit and tarpon on the flats too, uh, and they get a little trickier. And there's different times of year where it's a little better, stronger for them. But uh, anytime you want to come down and get a really fun, fun pull on light tackle, Uh, This is a great fishery. There's it's only growing the number of fish uh, that are down there on these flats, especially those two species, because they're not being harvested by anybody. They're not being commercially fished uh, by anybody. So as long as their habitat remains prime and strong and uh, the forage remains good there, then those keep getting better and better and better.
0: Man, you know what I ought to do? I ought to fly into Key West. I ought to come down and stay with you. And I ought to fish the flats for bonefish and kudos. I ought to do that. I ought to do it in late
2: March. Yeah, you should. I think that'd be a good idea. You might, you might could even bring the Adam Meyer fellow you're talking about there.
0: Yeah. He makes me look like a better angler. I like to fish with him. (laughs) Oh, and Billy's going to be so upset
2: because we didn't talk too much about fly fishing, but, uh, uh, I think that Billy's takeaway could be that he needs to uh, be able to cast further with his fly rod, yeah. yeah
0: man, that, that Tennessee Stream fly fisherman ain't double hauling anything, but we'll let him tell you that <laughs> when I say goodbye to you and, and transition over to him, Rob Corley. I need you to double haul Billy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob. All right, thanks, Gary. Have a good one, man. Appreciate you guys. Billy Thorpe, what do you think of that episode?
1: Oh, well, I liked it a lot until you started trashing me out.
0: But you know what?
1: I can double haul because <laughs> that's the first thing I learned when I moved to the coast. I knew that was the first thing I heard when I told somebody, I'm like, yeah, I want to fly fish here. They're like, dude, you got to learn how to double haul. And I'm like, what? And so uh, I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. And I've been practicing forever to figure out. It's kind of like rubbing your head and patting your tummy or However you do, whatever it's called. I don't know. Whatever you make your kids do to make fun of them, that's what you got to do.
0: <laughs> anyway. Well, what would, be, what would be your best takeaway from Rob's discussion of flats fishing the keys?
1: Well, a couple of things I really liked. One, I've never heard of anyone putting on bait on a fly before. So I was like, I don't know why I've never tried that for a little bit of scent. So like shrimp on the fly. Uh, so that was a pretty cool takeaway, even though you guys didn't talk about fly fishing more. want want, want. Um, And then the Barracuda, the two bluer for Barracuda. I've never seen one of those before. So um, kind of a cool something to go look up and, you know, because I'm the kind of guy, like I like fishing gear. I don't use it, but I
0: got it. <laughs> Whatever. Well, yeah, man, that was a great, I mean, I love everything about sort of that day on the water, man, you know, from targeting a, a highly sought after fish like bonefish just saying you know what barracudas are fun too to saying you know what let's catch something for the table like everything about it man what a good day um what a good day of fishing good day down in the keys and yeah. you know i've known rob forever man and i'm saying this to my listeners and viewers even if you can't get down to florida then seek him out in emerald isle slonsboro because he's one of my favorite of all time to go fishing with
1: yeah and don't go fishing with me or Adam Meyer, apparently, because we're not really that good at it. No, I like to. people like
0: you and Adam on the boat. I'll go fishing with you anytime.
1: <laughs> All right, Gary. Well, I'll go fishing with you so you can feel better about yourself. I don't know if your <laughs> ego is going to fit in this podcast episode. I might have to trim it down a little. <laughs> All right, man. Good to see you. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Oh, Diggy Marine Warehouse Center and Bland Landscaping Go. Also, I'll shout those guys out one more time. So really appreciate it, Gary. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. See ya.